Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Sup, Powerful Nonsenses? Hello. We are back in your ear holes. Yes, we are. For another episode, episode 187 of the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. The Millennial Podcast. That's right. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. And I am Jem Yildiz. And welcome to the show. So we got a really interesting episode yes. lined up today. Um, something that we've, we were kind of talking about, and it was like, let's, let's do an episode on this. It's also a lot of conversation I've been having with a lot of friends, so mm-hmm. it felt very relevant. Yes, very timely, I think. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking today about um, getting a job on uh, your own terms, because I think a lot of people have been in jobs for a while that they either kind of want to escape, they're looking to get a new job or even just they're looking for a promotion and they kind of want to negotiate. Um, before we do that though, I kind of want to, I want to give a shout out. I really should have planned this better. Uh, but it is Joe Phil 86, Joe Phil, Joe Phil 86. I think he's got two names, Joe and Phil. Well, it could be, it could be an abbreviation of Joe Phillips. So it was a five-star review, of course. Cheers, mate. Cheers, bud. Uh, awesome tips, down-to-earth guys, practical advice for the modern age. Short, sweet, Punchy. choppy. We need more of these, guys. So if you could, that'd be really, really, really sweet. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Yes, let's. So this is something I know that I can definitely talk about because my work with my client was kind of like a job interview type of thing. And it's my main source of income. And I very much kind of went in knowing exactly what I wanted from the job and managed to get it. So I know I can definitely talk about this, this topic infinitum. Yeah, I think a lot of... Um, the right word. <laughs> I think a lot of listeners are probably in jobs and then they're kind of seeing the opportunity, obviously, of a lot of freelancers, mm. a lot of people starting their own side gigs or having their own business. And I think what's happening, which we have spoke about many times before, is that millennials now want certain flexibility they want to see growth within their businesses and I think what's happening is that a lot of people are in jobs they're in these certain careers and now they're thinking okay do I jump ship or do I actually Mm. figure a way that my my actual career my work can actually fit around it a lot of the time people are very happy in their jobs it's just that it's not fitting around the lifestyle they now want I mean when you start situations change man that's what i'm saying like when you start a job it's like okay earn as much as possible but as you get older and you start thinking about family planning and maybe just moving into a new place or renting or moving to a new area or different challenges you mm. want from your job then i think that's a point where people actually start start to actually change what they actually want from that job yeah i think it is worth like really highlighting as well like it doesn't even necessarily need to be in a change of circumstances like it could just be cuz life's a constant push and pull of 
work-life balance and this, that, and the other, and have I got enough money in the bank, but am I working the right sort of hours? And it's this constant push and pull tug of war type thing. And I think over time, like when you start a job, you can be like, yeah, this, this can be manageable. I can do this. And then like I was saying to you on the, on the way here, like I know that the current lifestyle that I've been living for the last six months with the hours that I've been doing and the way that I've been managing my energy as, as an example, is just not sustainable. So I have to change something and that's either the job that has to change or the way that I'm behaving has to change. Um, and nothing about my circumstances has actually changed. Like, so these things, these are variables that you have to consider anyway. Even if you're still in the same job, even if you're not even looking for a promotion, you're in exactly the same freaking role. These are things that you're going to have to consider. Obviously, if you are looking to kind of change your circumstances, uh, within the job area of your life, it's much more difficult to do if you're in a position and you're not changing jobs or getting a promotion, changing roles or anything like that. It's much more difficult to negotiate after the fact, um, which I think is why it's really important when you go in looking for the new job or new promotion or whatever, that you really do try and get it on your terms because you'll only end up six months down the line being like, this really fucking sucks because of a slight oversight on... Mm-hmm. on the way that you kind of set it all up well i have a friend who's kind of done this obviously like you say the ideal time is right at the beginning before you start that job but i've got a friend who's in a job that he really enjoys it pays really well but actually he's struggling to kind of say to his boss like actually i want to cut back to a certain amount of hours you've got to understand a lot of the time from a business perspective they've got certain things that need hitting and then if mm. they think they can just replace that with obviously someone who needs to cover that whole shift then it's a, it's a much harder position to be in than, like you say, that beginning part. So I guess, especially with a lot of job hopping as well, that gives you the opportunity where people aren't staying in jobs for too long. It's then how you kind of plan out, okay, well, I'm thinking of moving jobs in two years or one year or six months, and then you can kind of have a real idea of what you actually want from that that next job. And I think that's a real good starting point to think about is actually what are you wanting from your job? Mm. And is it do you want it for the right reasons in some ways? Like you've really got to know what you're going in there after and also maybe have these sort of areas where you're not wavering. Like I'm pretty sure you must have had a set of criteria that these are the non-negotiables and these are the things that maybe I can go up and down on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I so I just want to, a kind of question popped into my head as you were kind of talking about this. So are you advocating job hopping? Um, not particularly, but it's, I just think that it depends so on... So for the non-millennials out there, you know, <laughs> I just want to clarify the stance. <laughs> I, I just think if you're someone who kind of, you've got your job, you're in it, you've been doing the same thing day in, day out, and now you're saying, actually, I want some more flexibility in my work, or actually, I want some progression, or all these, so you suddenly want some changes in the work you have, then I think, like you said before, like it's much harder to get your boss to kind of switch things up now he knows you're, what roles you're covering, because he's thinking when you come in there, oh, I now want to work two days less a week I want to do three days instead of five he's thinking well who the hell is going to cover your other two days you're already swamped with work and so it becomes a challenge of the boss and he thinks it's easier for me to just get someone in for five days than having two staff to manage Mm -hmm. so that's where it's harder whereas actually if you're starting from fresh it means you've got that opportunity to when they've put out the job description they are looking for someone three days a week Mm -hmm. then you can walk in there and say look maybe I can do it in two or something like that so I think starting fresh is definitely a better position because 
then you can kind of meet the employer in the middle. It's not something you kind of throw at them from mm. the off. And so I think that's that's a struggle. But then there are the people out there that are so valuable in the jobs they currently do right. that it would mean too much to lose you. And that's mm-hmm. where I think you've got a massive amount of leverage, especially if you've got good values, like you're bringing value to the company, but mm-hmm. also you're actually in a position where you're on kind of like friendship basis with that boss because they're like, you know what, I like you. We really don't want to lose you. And you know what, if it means we have to find a different role for you, but you're still with us, then we Mm want to keep you on. That's it. Don't underestimate, but also don't overestimate how valuable you are to your current workplace. I think think back to when I told the hotel I was reducing my shifts down to to two a week um, from five, I think it was. Um, and the kind of, (laughs) the fear (laughs) was quite evident, um, which from a negotiating standpoint, if I'm being purely objective and and cause you know, I do love the people at the hotel have done a lot for me, but if I was to completely take emotion out of the equation, like I could have been a real asshole (laughs) to them in the way that I negotiated if I wanted to, uh, I pretty much went into that telling them, um, how it was going to be because I knew I was so valuable at that point. Um, it was kind of like, so I'm changing the, I basically went and went, I'm changing the terms of my employment. Uh, I'm working this day now and that day now I'm working these hours and I'm not working that day under any circumstances. And if you want me to work on that day, uh, you're going to have to give me a couple of weeks notice minimum. And it was kind of, I kind of went in re- it was really ballsy of me to be honest. So that was pretty much position of having your manager by the balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could have been far, far worse than that. Um, again, as I say, I have a lot of respect for the people there. They've done a lot for me. Um, so I wasn't an asshole, but I could, I really could have been particularly given that I was on a zero hours contract as well. I could have been like, this is happening from next week. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I obviously <laughs> but I the, the ideal position is not to kind of lead with, okay. Cause at the end of the day, like, like I say, my friend, I know who's kind of put that out there to his boss said, look, this is what I want to be doing from going on, going mm-hmm. forward. And they've just said, no, like that's it, just straight mm. up no. And sometimes it'll work against you. So it just depends really. Well, this is the thing, right, as well, because I should kind of preface the stuff with the hotel with actually some of the demands that I made going in were actually things I had asked for nicely, to be fair, to myself. I had actually asked for quite nicely over the space of about 18 months and was constantly denied. Um, and then I found another job opportunity, which is now my main source of income, my main client. Um, and there was, it was a such better deal that I had all the leverage going in. And then it was a case of, and this is, this is the thing, right? This is, and this is, I think where it becomes really important with these negotiations. If you're renegotiating or if you're going into a new negotiation for a new job or a new role is I knew at that point that no matter what happened, I no longer needed to be at the hotel. I was going to the hotel because, and staying at the hotel because it was extra income for me that I would benefit from. But it wasn't a case of if I don't, if they tell me it's not possible, I can walk away and I can find other things to do with that time to make that extra bit of money. But if I do walk away, it's not a case of me being homeless anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's the big difference. So it's not good to have your manager by the balls. And if he says no, you're screwed. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. You have to, if you are going to go in and you're going to be ballsy, you have to have a backup plan. Yeah. Uh, because if you don't have a backup plan, that's where you can really fuck yourself over, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly. Well, straight away, you're going to get a sort of rep- like a reputation that you kind of come in and judge what, say what you want. And also that can get you kind of badly with other people mm, in your workplace, absolutely. especially if you don't get the terms you want. Because mm. then people will speak and be like, did you know that he asked for this and this and he wants to be on the same salary? That's where you can't, gonna, that's yeah. where you can't overestimate it. But, but you also can't underestimate it. Because if you underestimate it, you'll be in a position where they're going to go, well, no. And you're going to go, oh, okay, sorry I asked. Yeah. You know? And for, I just want to say, like, from a business, like, from a business perspective, I think a key to getting around this is really just actually getting to know your employees and understanding, like, what is it they want from a job. And mm. I think that changes. And I think you do need to kind of sit down with them once in a while and be like, look, you're full time. I know you're feeling a bit tired and stressed. Is this still the thing you want? And they might be like, you know what? I just feel like I'm a bit doing too many hours at the moment. And we've mm-hmm. had that conversation with our staff and we can see and we can see from their reactions or they're not getting on with people. And we can see these like cracks happening. And then when you sit down with them, they're just like, I'm just doing too many hours. I just really need to cut it back. And you're like, fair enough, that's fine. Let's go back down to 30 hours a week and then um, we'll leave it at that. And then suddenly they're happy again. And I think that's where it's really important to have that sort of um relationship with your employee and also feel like you have a relationship with your uh, manager as well that you can actually open up about what you want because ultimately you've got a goal that you're all aiming for and you're there to help them they're there to help you earn an income as well Mm -hmm. and have a good life and so it's about that communication Mm. so we've talked quite a lot actually about kind of renegotiating a current job i think more than actually Mm -hmm. finding a new job so um how does what we've talked about kind of differ or even like is the same about going in after a new job is there anything kind of are any variables that come in that kind of change the game a little bit with a new job it's quite tough because i think initially like the benefit as we said or even a new client yeah i think that well the benefit number one is that you've seen what they want so it's kind of then saying okay does that fit with like mm. the criteria of what I want for my job? And so that's a good place to start. So I think initially it's kind of, and it, this kind of could re- apply to if you're in your job and you suddenly get these new terms. But I think what's really important is to look at what they've they've stated, basically meet what their needs are, and then just prove that that can happen. So like if someone's saying, we're looking for someone four days a week, and you say, well, to be honest, I can cover everything you want, but I reckon I can do it in free then maybe you kind of set up this sort of test period. And it's the same with your employee. If you're doing five days a week and you want to go down to four, he's going to be worried, like, does all the work get done? Can you do it in four days? And then he might suddenly say, um, he needs proof of that. So I think you have to kind of like lead with examples and Mm -hmm. you have to prove that you can actually back what you're saying because ultimately there's a job that needs to get done and you've just got to prove that that can happen. And actually a lot of the time, especially for businesses, if they think, well, what I thought I was going to pay someone four days a week to do, you've actually proven that you can do it in free. And you're saying to me that actually you're going to say you're going to want it at a reduced rate because you're not in for that day, but you're still making a better day rate anyway. So it might be they're going to pay you £150 a day, but you negotiate, you do it in three days, but you instead of the end of £150 a day, you want, I don't know, £180 a day and you're going to do it in free. Mm. You're better off, the company's better off, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a win-win. And I think that's what you've got to get to that point where you're open enough with your employee or as an employee, as an employee and employer, that you're both on the same page. There's mm. a result that needs to be hit and yeah. you've got to prove that that can happen in your terms. Absolutely. I think, I think it's quite important and I, I think this is good advice and correct me if I am wrong, Jen, but I, I would say this is good advice. Like when you go in for a job interview as opposed to 
pitching to a client, a potential new client, treat the job interview as though you are pitching to a potential new client. Because the, I think there's, there's this thing that's built into people where they look at a job interview as a one-way street. Mm-hmm. So many people go into a job interview kind of being like, um, can I deliver what they want? And actually, kind of expect to be a bit of a yes man to everything. Exactly, <laughs> and I think what you really have to consider more, and you're in a much stronger position to get a job that you want, where you go in. Not only are you thinking, can I deliver what they want, but also thinking, can they deliver what I want, and can we? Where can we meet in the middle? You're not going to be able to get. Well, you might be able to get everything that you want. I was very lucky with uh, with my client. That I did, I did pretty much go in and got everything I wanted, but I think that was because at that point I had the hotel anyway. So I was, I was kind of like, well, I'm in a strong position. I don't need this. You probably need this more than I do. So here are the terms that I want to work with, and if we can work in those terms, then we we can move forward with actually making a deal. Um, that the difference was, of course, that was a freelance job, but I think a job interview should be treated exactly the same. Well, it goes back to that quote that I shared ages ago that when you think of like, are you an entrepreneur? Like every employee employee is an entrepreneur, but you just have your one client. So I mm. think it does kind of, yeah, that does ring true. Don't be so scared to say no. Because sure, you might, and okay, sure, I'm talking from a position of presumed privilege here, as in, assuming that you're privileged in a position to have multiple job interviews lined up and scarcity mindset does kick in when you've been looking for a job for, t- for two, three months and not had any joy with that. Um, but then I think that's a different issue entirely. But when you do get into the job interview, just be willing to throw some ideas about because you might actually find that that will be to your benefit. Because let's say it's a job for a departmental manager. They're going to want somebody that's going to throw some ideas around. They're not going to want somebody that's just going to be like, yes, however you're doing it now, that's exactly how I'll, how I'll do it when I come in. Sometimes they don't want that. Sometimes they do. And if you're a more entrepreneurial minded, then you're probably not going to want to work in an environment that doesn't respect creative ideas anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think what you've said there, and I don't want to skip over it, I think it takes a while to build out that sort of psychological confidence oh, does, that definitely. you can actually have a say. And I think I think you hit the nail on the head, that idea that it's always seen as like a one-way street is so true. I think a lot of my friends that I speak to in full-time jobs and I speak to my girlfriend about this, are like the opportunity of actually you've got your job, but maybe you can switch that to self-employed so you can get certain benefits or you mm. can kind of call certain shots. And I think people just don't think that's possible or they just... I actually, just, me and my dad were having a conversation it was for my brother-in-law's stag do. We were having a conversation with the best man because both me and my... I'm like 80% self-employed. My dad's 100% self-employed. My dad's been self-employed since as long as I can remember, um, beyond a blip of about six months a couple of years ago going, I'm going to be employed again, and then decided <laughs> this is not for me. Um, <laughs> but we were having a conversation with the best man and uh, he works in for a tech company. It sounds very cool, some of the stuff that he's working on. And we were saying, have you considered going self-employed with them? And... He, he was like, it's not possible. And we were like, but have you asked? And he's like, well, yeah, but there's no point in me asking. And we're like, well, there is every point in you asking because this benefit, that benefit, and this is a benefit to them if you go self-employed. That's a benefit to them if, they go self- if you go self-employed. So have you asked? And it took us a good 
20, 25 minutes to convince him that at least it's worth asking and seeing if it's possible. Because as you say, the mindset is, well, no, no, I'm, I'm employed. But that's, that I think is such a, a mindset thing that's been trained into you because the education system does not tell you that self-employment is an option. It just doesn't. Yeah, so I think self-employment is that sort of first level of freedom. It's kind of when you're dabbling with entrepreneurship or doing things mm-hmm. on your own. And then you start doing it and then you start realizing, no, actually, that it's, it's very easy to do. And all it is is a switch of mindset and saying, I can have some control over my career in some ways. And it's quite interesting as well, because a lot of the people I speak to, I go, have you got anyone who's self-employed or contractors in your office? And I think everybody can relate to someone who they know is in their office. I remember when I was working at the charity and our IT guy was a contractor and it pretty much meant that he can come in, fix the computers and go home. And I was like, that sounds like a great way to be. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, I think a lot of people have that person in the office that they know is a contractor or they work under an agency. But they don't really know what that means. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And I think that's the problem. I think a lot of the a lot of employees just look at those guys have got doing some weird thing i don't know how their their setup is i only see them one day a week and then if you speak to them you're like oh you find out they're always being paid way more than like anybody else in that position Uh so it's just kind of interesting that i just think like you say i think it's come from that education system of like that employment Mm -hmm. and it and i think i think the education system has in some ways set up that one-way conversation to say that the employer employer is always right and they set the terms and you just got to accept that and Mm. i think that's something that i think a lot of people need to overcome yeah but then it's again that good balance or that healthy balance of (laughs) not being too ballsy but also having the leverage that you can actually set terms because i think right now especially for millennials it seems exciting i mean a lot of these companies are trying to add flexibility and and it's like oh now the millennials have the employers by the balls because we can we want certain things but again that only comes whether you can back what yeah. you offer if you can't provide the value don't fucking bother asking like, <laughs> if you're going to be a lazy fuck yeah. like don't bother asking yeah. if you're going to work hard and you're actually going to de- over deliver on what like Think, think about it this way. It comes down to what we always freaking talk about, which is uh, value, like providing freaking value. Like think about how much value you provide and think about how much you're being paid. And if the two don't match up, then either you're being paid too much and you need to fucking sort your shit out, otherwise you're going to get sacked, or you're being paid too little, in which case you've got leverage there. You've got an opportunity to negotiate and you can say, well, look, I provided this, 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 and this, and you're still paying me this. Like it goes back to, I've said it before. I have said it before. I'm going to say it again. It's controversial. But if you are accepting a minimum wage job, you are openly agreeing with your employer that you provide no more value than somebody who has no skills and no education because all you are trading with is your time. If you have no skill and no education and you're only trading time, you'll get minimum wage. If you do have skills and you do have education and you're trading time, then you should be worth more than minimum wage. End of story. People still, if I bring that up, people are like, no, 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 that's, that's dangerous thinking, man. Like, (laughs) but it's true. Like it's called minimum wage for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like it's an exchange of time for money. And again, it doesn't mean that you're someone on minimum wage and you're not good at what you right. do, which that's, is where yeah. people get offended. I think that's why people get angry when I mention it. I'm not saying that if you are on minimum wage that you're unskilled 
and uneducated. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, if you are on minimum wage, you are implying that you are unskilled and uneducated mm -hmm. because that's what you've accepted as your value proposition. Well, it's the same with my company. We have base level pay that you start off and that's you being the trial. But then we've got these different systems of once you can do this or you take a little bit more responsibility, you go to this. And once you take a lot of responsibility, you go to this. And so it's that idea that, again, just comes straight back to value. What do you bring to the table? What problems can you solve? If the bigger problems you solve, the bigger reward you get. Mm -hmm. I did want to say that again, like I just want to touch on the whole like options as well. I think people need to realize that there's mm. a, you've got options nowadays and I think it's easy like i'm sure anybody can search online today and find 10 other jobs that are similar to theirs and i think sometimes it goes back to that scarcity man mentality as well is understand that there's a lot of options out there and i think mm -hmm. the thing that's stopping you often from getting a job to be honest is what you're willing to do if you're really desperate for work you can get work and i'm hoping that a lot of our listeners aren't those sort of people that no. are desperate and i think you're probably hopefully but oh. the, po the point i'm making is don't don't worry about not being able to get the job because there is a safety net there. Like, there really is. Like, if you are willing to do anything to make sure that you've still got a roof over your head, you will be fine. Particularly if you live in London, because there's a fuck ton of work out there. Like, mm -hmm. if you're in other cities, I can't comment quite so much. But particularly if you are London-based, no matter how unskilled, uneducated, or skilled, or educated you are, whichever end of the spectrum you are, there's always going to be more jobs lined up. I think a lot of it comes back to that psychological safety. So I think as soon as you become someone where you value yourself, you know you bring value to companies, as soon as you realise that there are multiple options on the table... As soon as you've kind of, that's why, again, as soon as you become potentially self-employed, it's this idea that you are in control of like the money you earn. You know that you bring value. You're not in that scarcity mindset. You can actually call the shots. And so for me, I just think that when you realize what's out there, what options are available, then you can kind of have that leverage to become a little bit ballsy and say what mm. you want. Like I've got a really like interesting story that I heard like just today, actually, um, from a friend who um, was is working for a company. They pay her pretty well. And um, what happened was they were kind of doing a massive move to another office and they had planned to, they budgeted in like, um, I think it was like 40 or 60 grand to kind of pay for this new office, do it all up. And 60 grand was their budget to do this change. And then what happened was they actually, because this girl was really good at her job, they were like, look, you're great at this stuff. You're great at knowing what the employees want. Uh -oh. Is that something you can take on? Uh -oh. I and, know where this is going. <laughs> and, and in her head, she was like, 60 grand, wow, that's a great, like, that's a wicked budget, great opportunity. And so in her head, she's thinking, yes, I'm going to, Prove to my company, not only am I good, but actually I can take on more responsibility. And so she was, she knew it was a massive task and she, she cracked on with it and um, she eventually got it all done. And then um, like went to her boss and was like, and it move was great. They were so happy with the new office, all the furniture, which is how she goes back to the boss to kind of a sort of a debrief after the whole move. And then she was just like, Hey, I was just wondering whether um, I'm going to get any sort of compensation for like, like, will I get a little pay rise? Cause I took on all that responsibility and they were kind of like, Oh, we can't, we're, we're thinking about it. We'll give you 800 pound pay rise. And that's like 800 pound pay rise for the whole year. <laughs> like, so like she got 800 pound pay, pay rise and they were like, Oh, and, um, and what else we'll do is, you know, what? we'll pay for you and your boyfriend to go out for a nice meal. And it's kind of like in that moment, she was just like, wait a minute. Like I just showed you, I took on all that responsibility. You literally had, because how it works with interior designs, if you've got 60K budget, they take their cut and then the rest of the money, it goes on the furniture and the move and everything else. And so in that way, she kind of spent that budget and then didn't put it in for herself. And that's sort of like a prime example where it's leading with good intention, but actually 
there wasn't any terms set at the beginning, but there wasn't any kind of like, in some ways, like that, that boss in some ways doesn't know that person enough to see that you've actually taken advantage of an employee. Mm. And so it kind of works both ways. Because in my head, I was like, well, she maybe should have said to the employee at the beginning, if I'm doing this, I want this before the end. And then yeah. at the end, because now the boss has gone away and be like, wow, we just got all that done for nothing. We would have paid yeah. someone 20 grand. That's it. Because, yeah, the, the onus does lie with the employer, um, as you say, taking advantage. But you have to think about what is your employer's prime objective. It's to either increase the bottom line or to prevent the bottom line from decreasing. Like they have, it's all, it's all about the freaking money. It's all about the freaking money. Like the job is to make sure that that money at the end of the year, which is profit is the biggest that it can be. And that's even at a departmental level. Like the department needs to spend its budget to a degree, but it doesn't want to be in a position where it's overspent. It wants to get it bang on that number. Like, and so the onus is on them for taking advantage, but also um, she needed to, understand and work and realize why she was being asked she was being asked so that they could save money like anytime something an organization chooses to do something in-house it's purely about saving money it's never about quality it's never about the overall uh, impact it's all about saving money that's the only way the only reason you do it in-house so what she should have done is assessed how much it would have cost them to do it from outside and how much value that she'd then be bringing them by how much money they'd be saving and try and meet them in the middle somewhere and go, well, okay, it would cost you X amount, but you're doing it in-house. So you're saving X amount. Am I going to get a cut of that? Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what she should have done. Obviously not in those terms, but, but I don't know the intricacies of the business that she works for, but essentially that's what you do. You go, okay, well, it would cost you X amount, but I can do it for X amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the mistake she made yeah and I just think that comes again through experience but also just of having course. that confidence in yourself and knowing but as soon as you said as soon as you said that they'd come to her asking her to do it I was like okay yeah I yeah. see exactly where that's going yeah I and mean, obviously yeah they were looking to save money but also they thought that if anybody this is the person in house who can do it so which is a compliment see, of yeah. course but then obviously it's up to that person to negotiate and I just hope that kind of gives you an example of like in an office understanding that you do have the opportunity to negotiate like that shows that you're a business in yourself as an employer you're a business and you're looking out for work okay how am i increasing my profit as a business it's so true always treat your employer as a client not as a boss it honestly it changes it gives you so much power in your own mind not to not power that should be abused by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly it just completely changes the framework at which you look at your job. It just completely does. You suddenly don't kind of go, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. And you go, well, hang on a second. If you're going to request that of me, that's going to cost you something because I've got my needs that I need to meet. It obviously becomes a lot more difficult if you're in a situation where you only have one job. Um, and particularly if your terms of employment are exclusive, it really puts you in quite a difficult position. So look into that. That's something that we can't really give much advice on because if you're in exclusive employment, like that means you've got no compete clauses, which means you can't be going out doing other things. So you can't really use that as leverage. But if you're in a job where it's a part-time contract 
and uh, they're asking you to do overtime. There is no reason why you should ever have to do overtime. They are not legally allowed to use that against you if you say no. Um, so, so use that position of you're a client, you're a part-time client of mine. Obviously, don't say this to them <laughs> because they, <laughs> you'll be out the door quicker than you can say, see ya. Um, but in your mind, think of it as like you're a part-time client of mine. You provide part of my income. I have other commitments that I have to attend to. Um, and I think when you start use, having that framework, it just is really empowering. It really is. Boom. I think we'll end it there. I think that's enough stuff. <sighs> Hope you got some value from my that. My brain's exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think some really good examples of stuff in there. And it's most of it is about mindset. It really is. That's mm-hmm. all I can say. If you've got any thoughts or any questions, please do hit us up. Um, you can hit us up on the Twitters at PN underscore podcast or drop us an email. We're on our emails. Uh, if gems are working, he's on his. Um. Yeah, I think they're back on at the moment. <laughs> Send us some episode ideas. That's what I love. Just yeah. want to know what you guys need to know and it means that we can kind of delve in that for you. Yeah, what are you struggling with? We'd happily do some episodes about more stuff that you are asking for. But yeah, so hit us up on email. I'm Wayne at PowerfulNonsense.com and Gem is Gem at PowerfulNonsense.com spelled C-E-M because it's a Turkish C. Great. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in, and we shall catch you next time. See you later.